candy girl. <laughs> and you got me. <laughs> Sugar. Aw, oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. <laughs> and you got me rocking you. I'm Elena. And I'm Grant. And this is Sex Archie, where we never forget to memorialize Luke Perry. Stupid Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences. Yeah. That's right. We are a Riverdale recap podcast, and we are here today to talk about Chapter Nice, Men of Honor. <laughs> Chapter Nice is in 69. Nice. You, you didn't notice me doing that last episode every single time? I mean, that was a while ago. But we start with uh the the negotiation picking right up where we left off with uh setting the terms of this duel between Forsyth Pendleton Jones III and Brett Weston Wallace. Yes, and it is is being uh led by DuPont. Mhm. They all have their things they want to do. And of course, Brett wants to fence. Yes. And Jughead's like, "No, just let's use our fists like men." And uh, then someone from the back suggests a chess match, which they're going to do all three. Someone also suggested a trivia match and then a chess (laughs) match. They are only going to do three of those. Uh, They are going to first fence, then fight each other with their fists. And and then if they need a tiebreaker, they'll do a chess match. You know how duels have like a, a tournament structure to them? Duels are often best two out of three, right? I think normally they're just really deadly. (laughs) I think normally it's one of you dies. But uh, Mr. DuPont is is walking them through the bylaws of this arcane stonewall prep tradition, which is a lovely phrase, as they choose their seconds. And we find out that the one guy in the class is named Jonathan. His his name is Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. And Brett selects him as his second. And Jughead. Selects Donna. We knew her name. We knew her name. (laughs) It came up once or twice. She's the only one's name I know other than Brett. (laughs) And now, Jonathan. I wrote James because I didn't pick up on it very good. (laughs) I was like, James? Question mark? It was something with a J. We see him clearly on the murder board in about eight minutes, and he is labeled Jonathan. Okay. Over at the Andrews household, uh, Frank... Decides to, you know, question where Mary Andrews is Mm -hmm. in case, you know, we're all wondering where she is. Thanks, writers. I am wondering. In every scene without Mary Andrews, people should ask, where's Mary Andrews? She's lawyering things. Someone got sued back on her home planet. They're at the, um, the construction site. Okay. Because then... This guy walks in, this very large man, and we find out his name is Ted Bishop. Ted Bishop. Not Ted Bundy, though you might be confused. Uh, And he's there to see Frank, and they are old... uh, They're war buddies. War buddies. They're they're battle pals. Battle pals. They have a little little connection moment, Mm -hmm. and, and Ted fills him in on how Greg's dead. Yeah. Just so you know. Just so you know. And uh, the third of their their merry uh, uh, triplet of of battle bros. I guess so. And Archie invites him to dinner. Mm -hmm. It is so hard to believe that Frank Andrews has an even shadier friend. Like like Frank, we we talked about it in our last episode. (coughs) 
is riding that line so so hard so finely but yeah the the ted is definitely on one side of the line my name's um normal man <laughs> ted yeah it's yeah, ted just ted ted nope yep there's nothing that my reason why my arm is the size of my head <laughs> nope that's half of archie's friends though <laughs> It's true. It's true. Veronica. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I've just forgotten stuff that's happened. <laughs> but suddenly she's back to living at the Penbrook with her family. Did that or, happen last episode? Did we just like suddenly change the timeline? Or at least she's visiting in order to give them her itinerary just as like yes, a like, matter of, of courtesy. FYI, I'm taking your ex-butler, mm-hmm. Smithers. And we're going to go to New York. <laughs> Because she has to to visit a few friends, but the excuse is to uh, get herself a a school interview wardrobe. But, like, she wasn't living there. No. She wasn't on talking terms with her parents. I'm very confused. Certainly not with her father. She she is directing everything toward her mother. But she, like... Where's Hermosa, by the way? (laughs) I'm so confused by this scene. Like, I'm at least Jellybean isn't involved in the plot of this episode. There is a good reason to ask, where's Hermosa? Like, the last episode was her and Cheryl, like, starting their rum business. Yes. And it was all like, fuck you, Hiram. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just going to come in and tell you what I'm doing for the weekend, Daddy. Yeah, so so if you were to, I don't know, want to vandalize my business again, I'm not going to be there watching it. I was so So uh, they are like, oh, you know what? We are also going to go to New York. Mm-hmm. We'll just take the same limo. Her, her, it's fine. Hermione lays out their own uh, sightseeing uh, uh, itinerary, including a visit to uh, the Café des Creatifs, which I'm pretty sure is just French for the Artist Café. Watch out for the ketchup. Watch out for the... Is there an Artist Café anywhere anymore? No. They're, they're all gone. Closed. One's a cupcake shop now. Yes, and the other one's still sitting empty. The one that had the scary ketchup is empty. Nothing's gone in. If you saw Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind during a very specific window of its lineup of plays, that makes sense to you. This is our most narrow cast. (laughs) Like, I know that's our thing, but that one's literally zero people. Nobody. There's one person out there who knows the ketchup story. It did make it into one of their books, one one of their uh, script books. Yes. I'm not even sure which volume. Someone's going to go read all of them and find it. They're going to be like, what is this ketchup story about the artist cafe? You'll know it when you see it. <laughs> Never use those glass bottles of ketchup. But meanwhile, back at school. So Tony sees Fangs getting a big wad of cash. Fat wad with like the, the rubber band and everything. And she's all like, dude, what the fuck? And he's like, well, Kevin and I started a little side hustle. She's worried he's dealing again. Yes. Because as serpents, they're not allowed to deal (laughs) drugs anymore. But no, it's not illegal. Yeah, tickling is not a crime. Skateboarding maybe, but tickling is not a crime. And uh, Tony wants to get in on it. (laughs) And he's like, hmm. Hmm. 
Betty is sitting outside the principal's office, mm-hmm. which is where her mother comes storming out of. Because they just had a very important uh, a conference where Alice was given the details of all of Betty's punishment because uh, Principal Honey would not accept Alice confessing to everything on her own, despite it being the truth. Yeah. Uh, so Betty is suspended for a week. Yes. She is stripped of being the editor. Mm-hmm. And she is barred from prom for some reason. Those, that seems like getting off light for the level of like plagiarism and, and well, cheating that, yes. that she is accused of. Uh, and also apparently Brett has filed a restraining order on her, which will never get mentioned in this whole episode again. <laughs> She, she reasons that it's probably because of the time, you know, she hit him in the head with a golf club, which will also not be mentioned again, save this once. Yep. So uh, Betty decides to wander into her old office and show off her new mur- murder board to her mom. Yes. The, uh, the conspiracy board related to Mr. Chipping's mysterious death. Yes. I mean, the cause of death, very, very clear. Yes. Uh, so they decide to take it down and move it home mm-hmm. since Betty's no longer allowed to be an editor. How wild is it? We're 12 episodes into a season of Riverdale and there's only one dead person. Wait, really? That's the only dead person? Name another. Well, there was that guy that Veronica like burned to death. That's true. That Yeah, but that's an opening close case. We know what happened. Veronica burned him to death in okay. the basement. In self-defense. <laughs> she immolated a man in self-defense, as you do. Yeah, it's fine, you know. Uh, so, over at the Andrews household, uh, Ted and Frank are sharing war stories, and, and, mm-hmm. and apparently Frank saved Ted. Yeah, and took four bullets in him uh, in the process. So yeah. Ted is like, Frank's my, my boy. Yeah. And Archie's all like, cool. Why don't you stay over, Ted? This is a boarding house now. It's fine. He says it's fine because Mary's out of town. Does that mean Ted is sleeping in her bed? Is that what's going on? Yeah. I don't think she'll like that. I don't know. I don't know if she's even redecorated. It's probably, you know, her her ex's bed. I don't know if, like, she's changed the wallpaper or anything. That's that's a Fred bed. Fred Fred bed. That's Fred bed. It's very plaid. I'm taking it. <laughs> it's He's incredibly got plaid. Plaid wallpaper. Plaid bedding. Flannel sheets. Oh yeah, like there's a fishing pole hanging on the wall. <laughs> it's like one of those like really old men studies of the '90s. His room is where the singing bass went after Jug had torched the trailer. And he also has like one of those like desk ducks. He's got a desk duck. Yeah. There's no way he didn't and, have a desk duck. And like the um, just different like figurine, metal figurines of, of ducks and stuff. <laughs> like everywhere. <laughs> he doesn't even have a desk. It's just as a pile of ducks. Betty and Alice are setting up the board at mm-hmm. a home. And now you can clearly see Jonathan's face labeled with the word Jonathan. His name is Jonathan. I was distracted by Alice talking about the evil preppies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Betty's very healthy plan to deal with this restraining order is to immediately violate it and go snoop some more around them because 
for, from what it seems, whatever is going on, Brett Weston Wallace is, is the focal point. Yes. She doesn't think that Donna is telling the truth about Mr. Chippy. Mm-hmm. So, like, they should look into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so over at the Andrews household, uh, Archie is rushing out the door to go to school. He's running late. Got toast in his mouth while, while his theme song plays. The whole bit. Frank gets a call from a recently widowed member of, of their merry band. There is there is a second dead soldier. Named Ducky. And Ducky. And Ducky's uh, uh, widow is freaking out. She's weeping. She's hysterical. And Frank knows that something is up. And then... Ted attacks the fuck out of Frank. Yes. Frank sees him coming in the reflection in the toaster, which is like, nice. Yes. Love that. There is a big fight mm-hmm. and it does not look good for Frank. But then Archie goes all Rapunzel on Ted's <laughs> ass and hits him with a skillet. And as Ted escapes, uh, uh, Frank throws a, a chopping knife out of the, the knife block in the kitchen, and it sticks in the doorframe, because crab boats are apparently serious <laughs> shit. I don't know where you learned that in the middle of the mid-Atlantic. What else are you going to do? <laughs> Catch crab! Yeah, with the knife. They're, like, crawling around and just escaped from your bucket. You're like, Psh! Hit that with a knife. Okay, that makes sense. Good at targeting. Yeah. Yeah. That crab is only good for crab legs, but that's okay. Frank is all like, I'm sorry, Archie. I I, I normally have an instinct about this stuff. And I'm like, you have an instinct about people, like, attacking you? He does. And for good reason. Because as soon as, you know, his term in the service was up, he was looking for work. And he fell in with uh, uh, an opportunity to continue doing roughly the same thing. See, he's a special forces gun for hire? Yep, he's a mercenary. <laughs> he's one of them ultramarines, so as they Ted. will be called later. So was it seems like they're friends that are dying. Yeah, yeah. So, something bad went down, and so uh, the company is using their more loyal soldiers, like Ted, to clean up the rest of them, like Frank. Yes. Frank is a loose end that must be eliminated. And uh, now the whole town is at risk. Mm-hmm. And Archie's like, well, I, I know someone that can help. I know this guy. <laughs> what guy does he know? Who can help? You have to wait. That's oh, okay. a few scenes okay. away. That's true. Okay. Betty and Alice mm-hmm. invite uh, Miss Chipping over. Because the family that snoops together gets the scoops together. <laughs> she, she's a newspaper woman, you see. There's no beating around the bush for uh, Miss, Mrs. <laughs> no, Chippy. She She's goes like, straight to it. My husband did not have an affair. <laughs> Don't believe any of that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. We find out that he was drinking a little bit more than usual. That he uh, hated working on the Baxter books, but even the, the thought of having the last one behind him did not help his, his state of mind. No. And he wished that he never would have ever taken that contract to begin with. Yes. And she brought a thing of his effects from the office that just confuse her. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of army pamphlets in it. That's true. Whoa. Mm. Whoa. So uh, Archie takes Frank to see FP. Mm-hmm. Because FP... Is the guy. Is the guy. He's the, he's the guy. He's the guy. 
Sometimes you go to the authorities so you can be put in protective custody, so you can start a paper trail. Sometimes you go to the authorities so you can plan a, a street fight ambush in an abandoned gym. And that's the route we're going today. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I would think that the, the better plan is to just take Frank's story to Fox News. Yeah. They can totally rehabilitate uh, the, the name of this uh, absolutely vicious uh, uh, war crime factory that he worked for and turn them into, you know, misunderstood heroes in the eyes of the public. Mm -hmm. So then they have no reason to, to kill their, their ex-members. Yeah. And he's safe. Yeah. Perfect plan. Per perfect. Yeah. There you go. Proven track record there. Uh, so it's time for part one of the duel. Yes. It's fencing time. It is fencing time in the seminar room, this ultra elite school that has one classroom. And lots of fencing equipment, which would make you think that there's a fencing room. A gymnasium of sorts. But no. No. We're going to no. do it right there. They, they have two... Fencing trained stunt performers, because you can't see their face, so I always assume it's a stunt performer. Any, anytime there's fencing. Anytime there's a fully masked figure and yeah. there's no proof that that is the, the actor, yes. Yeah. Brett wins. Yes. Duh. Brett I mean, wins. Jughead gets like a point. Brett wins but... several touches, uh, disarms Jughead, and, and the match is called. Yep. Pretty much saw how that was going to go. Yeah. Not very exciting. <laughs> But you can't have a fancy school without a fencing scene. It's it's against the rules. Yeah. Gundam Wing had like three, and that show sucks. That's how you know your your camp yeah. is really fancy if there's fencing. If there's fencing. If the less rich twin has her own horse. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot <sighs> relate to anything in the parent trap. I am sorry. Thing is. As a child, mm -hmm. I knew I didn't have any of that shit. <laughs> but you don't realize when you're like seven, mm -hmm. it's not just like you that doesn't have that. You think everyone else has that. <laughs> I was like, wow, all these kids get to go to cool camp and I don't. I get to go to day camp down the street. Yeah, like, okay. The, these kids going to like... Eight weeks of sleepaway camp in the woods where they have literally everything you could ever dream of. Sometimes you, you just assume that's normal for other people. <laughs> and then there's a day when you're like, that's not fucking normal. <laughs> I mean, it's also not normal to go to a family court that will cook up that sort of scheme for your infant twins. I just... The line where she's like, we, none of it is normal. We have a butler. I'm like, you live on a vineyard. You have your own fucking horse, and you have a housekeeper. Yes, you you have your own personal servant who is butler in all but name. She's just slightly sassier. Your father is worth millions of dollars. It yeah. honestly makes the other, like the old version, their life seem very like middle class. Okay. You're dealing with someone who lives in, like, Boston and someone who lives in California sending their kids to the same camp. Yes. Compared to, like, England. Yes. And sending a child overseas for camp. Yeah, whose idea was that <laughs> in that family? Did, did Grandpa watch an American movie and think, oh, that's what they do. We should, we should do that with our kid. I have so many questions. <laughs> Just wait until there's a season five episode of Riverdale called The Parent Trap. And this will all be 
be oh. on topic retroactively. Yeah. It's a good title for a Riverdale episode. That's when we find out about Hiram Cheryl goes Triplett. to jail again. Why is he out of jail again? I don't know. Because he's mayor. That's his, why he's out of jail. He's married to the mayor. No. Hiram is mayor. Hiram's mayor now. That's right. Yes. What the fuck? And that's why FP is now a serpent again. It's because he's like, fuck you, mayor. I'll work for you. But he must have got out of jail before he was mayor. Yes. Why is he out of jail? I don't remember. <laughs> it's too confusing when they keep going in and out of jail. I don't know what's going on what time. <laughs> this is our unju- We're supposed to know. <laughs> we took a vacation. I'm out of it. If anyone is supposed to know why Hiram's not in jail anymore, it's us. I have no idea why he's not in jail. I'm just going to say the governor, Governor Dooley. That might be right. I'm not sure, but I'm going to say that for my own peace of mind. No, they went to court and did it like whatever Veronica's testimony, yes. whatever, like clear him instead. Yes, it was it was dirty legal dealing. That's yeah, right. Yeah, because it got found out that she was like doing stuff. So his stuff got thrown out. Yes, yes. She was, she was presenting the only possible bad case against him. Yeah. Yes. We, see, we know what's going we on. We know what's going on. So anyways, Veronica is in in New York, Mm -hmm. and uh, she walks into Lacey's. Yes, the underwear store. It's Macy's. Okay. Except it's like Marshall Fields, because Macy's is like shit. Oh. Macy's is. Has you been, like- I've been to Macy's. Yeah, Macy's is crap. I've never bought anything there, I don't think. Look at the quality of like what- the Macy's stores usually become mm-hmm. once they become a Macy's from whatever department store they were before. The flagship store here in Chicago is gorgeous. In half of it, if you go into a dressing room, the doors are falling off the hinges and there's <laughs> holes in the wall. Yeah. And it looks yeah. like they haven't vacuumed in ever. I don't know. Yeah, but any point where they let the building <laughs> shine through is really nice. Yes. That's what happens when you've got a 120-year-old building. I'm just saying Lacey's looks very nice. Okay. Does okay. not look like a Macy's. Sure. But who should she find but her own personal shopper and bestest best friend? Katie Keene. Katie Keene is here. Thursdays on the CW. <laughs> and they're going to have a shopping party because... Veronica has her mother's Lacey's card, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, since when does Veronica have her mother's credit cards again? I thought, like, she cut herself off by her own choice. She cut herself off from her dad's money. This is her mom's money. It's very different. thought she cut herself off from her mom's money when her mom took her dad back in. Pops isn't doing so great right now, <laughs> and she needs this. This is for her future. Uh, so they have a nice uh, montage of trying on outfits. Three whole outfits. Which outfit was your favorite? The black, like, lace top. The black lace top? Okay. Because yeah. there's the black lace top with a skirt. There's the argyle sweater, and I like that one the best. And then there's the houndstooth dress. Yeah, I like the black lace one. Okay. So it's pr- the calmest. <laughs> it's the calmest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they... uh. 
get get done shopping mm-hmm. and uh Katie Keene's all like I don't want this rainbow uh rainbow high montage to end. Mm-hmm. Nice little Avita reference. Sure, sure. Uh and then Katie Keene's like, "Oh, do you like drag?" And I'm like, "I thought you guys were best friends. What did you know <laughs> if Veronica likes drag or not?" It's been a long time since Veronica was in the city. Also, I was under the impression that all of her old friends hated her. Maybe she was just being hysteric. I was so confused. But, like, in the first season, the word all was thrown around about how many friends of Veronica's were were shallow losers that dumped her when she lost all of her money. Yeah. But Katie's the special, you know, uh, uh, exception. Okay, we love Katie. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think it's funny that they don't talk about, like... That outfit that Katie Keene designed for Archie. <laughs> I w- I you mean li- Pure Heart the Power? Yeah, I would have liked for that to get a reference here. No, thank you. So Frank is at the gym, and just like the plan was thought out, it works, and Ted yes. comes and finds him. Ted comes and finds him, and after he takes a few steps, Frank lets out a whistle, and then the, the doors blow out, and all the serpents come and rush in, FP with his gun drawn. And they, they take Ted in. And Ted's all like, you broke the code, Frank. You broke the code. And this this is after, you know, a whole speech about how, hey, Ted, they're going to come after you next once uh, you're done with all the names on your list. You know that, right? And you know what I'm going to say? Unionize the PMC. You, you don't have to do what they tell you. There's you. The bosses need you more than you need them. Also, you're very deadly people. You you have very scary skills. Uh, Who's going to strike break these, like, bioengineered super soldiers? And so FP locks up Ted, and Ted's all like, but what about Frank? He's a mercenary, too. Because FP's all like, you know, the feds are going to come get you tomorrow. FP's all like, I don't know anyone by the name of Frank. Oh, also true. They just met yesterday. <laughs> he and Fred weren't that close in high school until the assistant principal died. And by that time, Frank had graduated, I think. Uh, so at the Maple Club, Tony greets Nick St. Clair. Yes, that familiar face, Nick St. Clair, who is in Riverdale for some reason. Why would he come within 100 miles of this place with the memories he has? I don't know, but he does. And he wants to throw a bash there. So he's looking for a place. And he heard about the Maper Club. And Tony does not know this man from Adam. He he did not exist uh, until... Their paths did not cross. Yeah, they've never been in the same episode until now. He's just another guy with money too young to drink the alcohol they serve that they're too young to sell. Uh, And so she is discussing business with him and Cheryl comes out and sees him, and instead of, like, rescuing her girlfriend from this monster, no, she, she runs away. She has a, a flashback montage. Yes. And and clams up and, and cannot face this man, her, her assaulter. Yes. Which I get. Mm-hmm. Just also like, you just left her! <laughs> you left her with him! G- g- give her that, you know, 911, that, that SOS text. You can text her! Text her! Just be like, hey, I need you! His money's not good here. We'll explain later. <laughs> yes! Mumsy, Mumsy, there's a job for you! Yes! 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 You- I know it's been so very long since I let you poison a boy. 
You can do it this time, Mumsy. We can lock him in the sex hole. Next, at Pops, Betty and Alice are uh, hanging out. Yeah, they- Getting some sandwiches and have a surprise guest. They have tracked down Moose. He's not missing anymore. He's not dead. He has actually been in the military. He really did join the military. He's got the fatigues to prove it. And- Maybe Frank can give him a recommendation (laughs) and introduce him to some fellas. We find out that uh, Mr. Chippings was the one who recruited Moose to Stonewall. Yes, Mr. Chipping uh, uh, recruited him for the football team uh, in the beginning, but not long after he showed up, Mr. Chipping was then trying to get rid of him, and and he's the reason Moose had so much, you know, military academy, you know, literature. Yes. But that's not all the information he has. Uh, We also find out that there was a videotape Brett had videotaped Moose having sex in With the dorm. Someone. He doesn't say who. And uh It's probably Donna. I don't know how many how much sex he was having. And and that he was going to release the tape. Yes. That is why Moose was like, "Yes, I'll go join the military." <laughs> yeah, th- this all came to a head uh on a Halloween night while Jughead was indisposed, nailed inside a box. Yes. In the one classroom of the school. That makes Betty think. Mm -hmm. She and Alice go to Stonewall and they start searching the dorm room, looking for the tapes or cameras. And then Brett comes in, of course. I love that Alice is so disapproving of breaking and entering while also rifling through stuff just as much as Betty. Oh, yeah. They're so good when they're friends, or at least cooperating. It's very good. And so when Brett comes in, uh, they start questioning each other. And and Betty's all like, do you have a tape of me and Jughead? And this is the first time it has occurred to Alice, and she starts to flip her lid. Apparently, it didn't dawn on her that her daughter might be having sex. I mean, when she goes and visits her boyfriend at her door, his dorm. Re- remember the scene where she blew up f- uh, after finding uh, uh, Betty's birth control? <laughs> Wait till the day that Alice realizes what they're doing in the bedroom at home <laughs> that they share. <laughs> Alice does not know where the twins came from. <laughs> does she not know how sex works? She seems to have a lot of it herself. But she doesn't get how it works. <laughs> oh, she gets how it works, all right. You can just ask FP about that. But she doesn't think anyone else does it. She thinks no, it's a little no. secret it's just for It's a little them. secret just for her. But Brett, of course, is is stonewalling. Uh, uh, and uh, denying everything outright while still hinting that you better be careful just in case you're right. Wink. Yeah. Fuck Brett. He sucks. He does suck. I hate his face. Brett's just jealous because no one will have sex with him because he sucks. Yeah. So uh, Katie and Veronica are are catching up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're at this drag bar, Molly's Crisis, that her friend Jorge loves. Mm-hmm. Where no drag is occurring. No. It's just a pretty empty bar in New York that lets in 17-year-olds. Yep. And they they have a two-for-one special on exposition, because this is where we basically get the outline of tomorrow's, at the time of airing, tomorrow's Katie Keene pilot. Yes. 
Uh, we, we find out about, you know, her, her dreams and aspirations and her close, close relationship with her mother, who is just diagnosed with a very serious disease that they caught uh, uh, alarmingly late. Sounds like cancer. Yeah. Uh, we also find out that they go way back and that uh, Katie and her mom made Veronica's quinceanera dress. Yes. Where the Jonas Brothers performed at her quinceanera. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the timeline matches up for that. Actually, that would have been late, Jonas. Yeah, it would have been like three and a half years yeah, ago. Yeah, it would have been the, like the start of this freaking show, like yes. right before they moved. So her quinceanera featured a secret Jonas reunion, I think. Yeah. They came out of retirement just for her? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Money can buy you anything. Yes. Fuckers. So, uh, Frank mm-hmm. is all apologetic about everything going on. He's like, I'm going to go up to Alaska. Yes. I, I got to drop off the grid and, and make a new life, maybe even in Canada. Yeah. Uh, Archie's all like, no, you shouldn't run. Don't <laughs> run away. They're- you should turn yourself in. And Frank's like, well, what if they just make me the scapegoat for everything then? That would be bad. They go back and forth like that a lot. Yeah. Tony catches up with Cheryl and is all like, hey, you've been weird. What's going on? And Cheryl tells her about about St. Clair. I'm going to need you to watch the certain season one episode. There's a number from Rent in it. So be warned. So so Tony knows what's going on. Shares that she had a very similar thing happen before mm-hmm. she came to Riverdale. And I'm like, but wait, haven't you just like lived in Riverdale? Her grandpa's always lived in Riverdale. Maybe she hasn't always lived in Riverdale. She but, she came to stay with her grandpa sometime after this incident. But it was always kind of like implied that she was always like a serpent. Yes. And involved with the serpents. As we know, the serpents have satellite chapters. I'm so confused. They're saying a lot of things that are messing with my timelines. <laughs> If you just massage it enough, it all fits. So now it's time for another round of the duel. Yes, it is punch time with some very simple choreography. (laughs) So Brett punches Jughead in the cheek. Yes. It doesn't really do anything. It, It smarts pretty good. Jughead's impressed. Jughead punches one giant punch. Mm hmm. And knocks Brett the fuck out. One shot, motherfucker. One shot. And he's Say like... Say it again. I told you we weren't going to need seven rounds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. So, yeah, the, the duel is tied. You know, how duels are. So that way we can play chess later. Uh-huh. So over at the jail... Yes. Ted pretends to be passed out on the ground. Ted is... is uh, lying motionless in a puddle of his own vomit. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, it was gross. I missed that part. And uh, that makes one of the the officers open up the door. And that is when Ted kills him. Yes. Figuratively. <laughs> uh, so back at Stonewall, Jughead is getting body slammed by everyone at school. <laughs> He's, he, yes, he, he's getting a lot of uh, heavy shoulders in the hallways. Uh, and then he walks into his room and he sees a dead snake pinned to the wall in an S. Yeah, get it? Do you get it? It'll be a dead Southside serpent. It 
It could stand for a lot of things. Maybe it means Stonewall. I don't, there's too many things to start with S. Is it your shirt, maybe? I don't I don't know. <laughs> so he goes uh, to Donna, who fills him in on the fact that it's, you know, packed behavior. They all belong here, and, like, you don't. So, like, mm-hmm. if you beat someone who belongs here, what's that mean about them? And Jughead's like, mind is blown. <laughs> Somehow this surprises him. There's such a thing as an in-group and an out-group, and I'm perceived as a member of the out-group? Wait a minute. What? You mean you don't have to like Brett to, to be invested in what he represents? Wait wait a, wait a minute. So meanwhile, Betty realizes that Brett might maybe store his collection in the room where the skull and quill meet. Yes. They're obviously going to sneak in there. <laughs> yes, yes. In, into the, the basement meeting room of this uh, uh, school that has more common areas than classes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, FP calls Archie to warn him that Ted has escaped. And, and he about snapped Tubby in two. That's right. The, the unnamed officer is, is unnamed no more. That was Deputy Tubby. Tubby. And Deputy Tubby is going to be uh, uh, not coming into work for a few days after what Ted did to him. Tubby. And he's like, not Tubby. He's not Tubby. How did he get his name? Does he just not take showers, only baths? Is that why he's what, Tubby? What if that's like not a nickname? What if that is legit his name? His name is like Clarence Tubby. <laughs> If your name is Clarence Tubby, you have to become a deputy. Clarence it's the Tubby only the job third. that makes sense. Mr. and Mrs. Tubby. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Tubby, welcome a, a new child to the world. Clarence the third. Uh, no, Clarence the fourth. Because he is Clarence the third. Oh, he's a daddy. They, all, they also have Clarissa Tubby. Clarissa Tubby. Yeah. I do not think Clarissa Tubby is going to be going by her full name very long when she gets older. I I think Clarissa Tubby's going to get married real young just for the name change. No, she's going to hyphenate. Yeah. Tubby Subby. Do you think that Clarissa's (laughs) particularly subby? I'm thinking about, like, subs. Yeah, so am I, but... uh, What? What? What don't I know? What did I just do that I don't know what I did? So Archie gets this phone <laughs> no, call. Wait, what's this, Archie what's gets this phone call. What does subby mean that I don't know what it means? Uh, it, it meets people who like subtitles. Uh, so Archie gets this phone call. What the fuck? You're what? hiding something from me. <laughs> I'm hiding nothing. So Archie gets a phone call. No, tell me what's going I'm on. I'm not going to tell you anything. I've told you I don't want to Google it. Don't make me Google it. I don't want that in my web history, just, whatever it is. Just don't use Bing. Uh, the, the phone call that he gets about this while he's in the men's room. And as he is hanging up, unsure about what what to do with his information, out comes Ted. Ted does maybe my favorite fight scene ever. Because <laughs> he just wails the fucking Archie. Yeah, they are going at each other, like, viciously. And, and no, no object is left unused. Ted throws Archie through two bathroom stalls. Yes. 
Archie breaks off a piece of plumbing to stab Ted in the shoulder. Oh, we're not there yet. To to get out of a headlock. We are not there yet. Okay. Okay, okay. It's a good move. Ted throws him through multiple bathroom stalls. Yes. Body slams him into a sink. That, of course, breaks away. Well, no, because then he takes Archie's head and is, like, shoving it into a different sink. Like, trying to, like, snap his neck off. And that's when Archie reaches over and to, to grab uh, one of these busted sharp pipes and stab his uncle's best buddy with it. Yes. And that's when Kevin has to pee. <laughs> Kevin comes in. Kevin can't even go to the bathroom without things what? going bad for this poor boy. He's like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> and at that moment, Archie takes the back of a toilet and slams it over the back of Ted's head. Yes. And he goes running out with Kevin. And Kevin's just like this insane. School is fucking insane. And that's not the end. This is a two-room fight because Ted follows him and starts destroying the sanctity of the student lounge. He throws him into the lounge bookshelf. He starts strangling Archie. And then Frank shows up and Frank knocks to the Ted rescue out. with their first runner-up, second place uh, uh, football trophy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Frank. It's great. It's so good. Uh, So back at the Maple Club, Tony invites uh, Nick to uh, get a refill and come join her in a private room. And then this nameless, long-haired teenage crime boy just gives this sort of like, yeah, nod. What's his story? I don't know. Who is Nick St. Clair's drinking friend? I don't know. But yeah, Nick Nick thinks he knows what's up. He's very excited to to hear that Tony's going to go make herself more comfortable. Yeah. We go check in on Betty and Jughead, who are are hanging out. Getting some last minute chess practice in between the two of them. Yes. I'm going to assume Jughead didn't know chess and Betty was teaching it to him. <laughs> How hard could it be? It's like a game. Kids play this. <laughs> Uh, and so she starts um, questioning him about the final match. Mm-hmm. And, and wh- where's it going to be? And what? when. When? <laughs> okay, cool. Because this is her plan to use round three of the duel as the distraction and she can have unfettered access. Yes. And so it is time for the chess match. Mm-hmm. And Brett wants to raise the stakes. Uh, if If Jughead loses... Jughead's going to give over the Baxter Brothers contract. Mm -hmm. And Jughead's like, fuck no. (laughs) You suck at writing. You don't get to have it because you're very bad. Yes. This is a duel all about our personal honor, not not about what we can gain beyond that. And so they start their game and there's a heck of a lot more students there than we've ever seen before. <laughs> I have to assume all, all these boys and girls that I haven't seen before are the football team. Yes. The rest of the football team. Uh, and while this is happening, Betty and Alice sneak in to the basement. Mm-hmm. They, Betty is looking while Alice is keeping lookout. Yes, and she finds uh, behind one of the rickety wooden chairs a line in, in the uh, the mortar, and she just gets her fingernails in there and pulls away a secret panel. The, the rocks move on, on a track. And there's a whole lot of tapes. Labeled with, with Donna right on top, and another one clearly labeled Forsyth. Yes. 
And so she grabs several of them. Oh, big fistfuls. But then upstairs in the match, Brett's alarm goes off because he apparently has a silent alarm down there. Yeah. And he's like, we have to pause the game. Someone broke in. And so they all go rushing down there and uh, find Betty and Alice. And they're like, you're legally trespassing and whatnot. And she's like, well, you're legally recording people having sex. Now, when he filmed Jughead and Betty, do you think he kept all the parts with like Nutter Butters and Gummy Bears? Or did he just fast forward through through all that? Yeah. It seems to be a big part of their bedroom ritual over it's at food. Stonewall. Yeah. Do you think they reenact the Armageddon scene? Oh, the, the animal crackers <laughs> yeah. on the belly button? No, no, I don't think they do. They, they reenact the... Uh, uh, Armageddon scene where Steve Buscemi starts shooting people uh, <laughs> on the asteroid. Oh. That's what they do. We find out that those aren't sex tapes. They are apparently the confession tapes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is when Betty finds out that Jughead confessed something. Secret society. It's in the name, Betty. <laughs> Secret. Uh, and so they go back to their chess match. With lots of candles now, because the power must have gone out. <laughs> it was a very, very powerful silent alarm. It drew a lot off the grid. Why are there suddenly so many candles? And, like, way less students. <laughs> so the chess match ends on Jughead's terms when he makes intentionally poor plays uh, so that he can be put in jug. So that he can be put in checkmate. Yes. And and he just declares, Brett Weston Wallace, I deny you catharsis. You shall have none this day. Let's blow this place, Betty. <laughs> and they go. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Archie uh, just got off the phone with FP. Yes. Uh, the feds have picked up Ted, uh, and he's going to be tried, but they're also looking for Frank. And Frank's like... You know what? Kay. Fine, you've convinced me. I'll, I'll turn myself in. One last time we have this argument. You got me, kid. Yep. Then we go check in on Veronica and Hermione for, I don't know, the weirdest scene? <laughs> I I cannot stand anything that's happening with her character in this episode because right? none of it makes any sense. So back at the Pembroke... Uh, Hermione takes her daughter aside and is like, hey, got a level with you. All that stuff I said we were doing in New York, it's not what we were doing in New York. We were seeing specialist doctors. Your father has a, a serious uh, uh, diagnosis, and he's he's a very proud man, so I'm, I'm telling you because you ought to know, and he sure won't. Yeah. Yeah. It's some neuromuscular disorder. They are describing, like, they, they don't name diseases this week, apparently, but they are describing either Parkinson's or something very much like it. Yes. They just, like, Hermione cries and they hold each other. Mm -hmm. It's just very strange. It's a very weird turn, all the stuff that they're doing with Veronica. Yes. It's very forced. <laughs> I don't like any of it. <laughs> we were done. We were finally we free. Done. You could have just been antagonists <clears throat> with history. Why? Back at the Maple Club, mm -hmm. Nick wakes up shirtless, pantsless, covered in feathers. 
and very confused to see Kevin sitting at the end of the bed. And also confused to see shirtless fangs coming by and buckling up his pants as he enters the room. Tony comes out and they inform him that uh, things got pretty wild last night and they made a little video. So all of this implication is very bad. <laughs> like, you are not the good guys anymore, but then you see the video and he's just part of the Tickle crew. <laughs> they drugged him so they could make a Tickle video. Yes. And this goes to prove that the Tickle videos are not sexual because otherwise they would not be allowed at the Maple Club. Yeah. The sex-free sex club. <laughs> So, uh, Tony... <laughs> Just like the dry speakeasy down the road. <coughs> and the biker gang that can't sell drugs. <laughs> this town sucks. <laughs> this su Is there a dance club that's silent? Yes. What the fuck? <coughs> uh, so Tony is all like, if you fucking do anything again, you fucker. I will release this tape. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that going around lately. Yep. We cut to a scene where Tony, Cheryl, Fangs, and Kevin are hanging out. They're just having a big old sleepover in Cheryl's massive bed. Enjoying watching the, uh, the video. Yes, while Kevin gives director's commentary. Uh, it's very good. We in the tickle business call him a first class squealer. <laughs> And they do a wonderful little cheers as they just, like, bask in their glory. You know, last time he was here, Archie almost killed him. And there was, like, a whole kidnapping thing. Like, bad things happen to Nick St. Clair in this town. He should stop coming. I love this little scene because it's, like, friends hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. nice to get yes. that. Get some interaction. Yes. Archie talks to none of his friends this episode. No. Neither does Veronica. Well, no. None of her previously seen friends. Yeah. So uh, back at the Andrews household, Archie finds Frank's medal and his dad's tool belt on his bed. Yes. Frank lied. Frank lied. He, he took made a run for it. He skipped town anonymously in the end. But hey, this means Mr. Keller can get the foreman job back. Damn right he can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so FP has a little, like, heart-to-heart -heart with Archie. Mm-hmm. About, like, what you gonna do now, Red? Yeah, yeah. Not not about your uncle, but about yourself. What are you gonna do? And Archie has this massive, like, personal breakthrough where he realizes that maybe he can just be a guy. Because like, that's what his dad was. Like a regular dude. He could he could just do that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing, Archibald. <laughs> so Veronica uh, goes and informs her parents the next morning that she uh, uh, that they have to save the date to move her in as a freshman. At Barton. And they're all very excited. Applause. Especially when Hiram realizes that she referred to herself as Veronica Lodge. Because <gasps> we're taking 20 steps back, apparently, in this episode. Disease guilt is real and powerful. It is. Don't give me that look. It is a real and powerful thing. Veronica and I need to have a talk. Yes. <laughs> Don't give him your kidney. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Then we go check in. On Jughead, 
and Betty, they they kind of recap things. Yeah. Jughead doesn't have regrets about throwing the match. He does not want to be a Stonewall man. He has realized this. Yes. He doesn't need to prove anything to them. Uh, and he'll totally murder Brett if he has a tape, <laughs> which he probably does. So, like, save money for bail. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not going to sound good when it comes out <coughs> in the arraignment. But Betty's like, well, there is one tape that I got out, and that was Donna's tape. And she plays it for Jughead, and it is Donna stating an affair she had, and it it sounds strangely exactly like what she told Betty. Word for word, except for one important detail, it's not about Mr. Chipping. It's about a Mr. Cotter. Oh? And the most surprising thing is that nobody recognizes the name Mr. Cotter, especially (laughs) Jughead. He should be all over 70s television. Right. Right. Uh, They're watching a 70s television. Just look at that thing. Apparently, Mr. Cotter doesn't exist in this world, though. Bum, bum, bum. And so... Betty's been thinking that they've been focused all on Brett being the evil mastermind, but maybe they should be worried about Donna. Yeah. I mean, who was closest to Moose? Donna. Donna. I mean, very, very close. Uh, who, who was in the bunny mask on Halloween? Donna. Donna's been around for every step, every part of everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Brett's not that smart. No. He doesn't know what a clutch is. He thinks it's a spark plug. <laughs> and that is the end of this episode. So, darling, what did you think of Chapter Nice, Men of Honor? Fuck everything to do with Veronica's storyline. <laughs> Fuck it. It's, I'm so pissed. It seems like such a transparent, you know, spinoff promotional subplot. Her interacting with an old friend was nice. The Katie Keen stuff was fine. But every part of it was just bald exposition about you know tune in tomorrow i didn't care none of that like none of that bugs me okay that was fine it's literally everything to do with her family yeah yeah that i'm like what is this this is a bunch of steps backwards we were finally past that plot yeah. we're on to something new and now you're just roping her back in again for something that's gonna be really annoying yes I don't care if Hiram's dying. <laughs> He's probably faking it. There is no reason to care about Hiram dying. That that would be a good thing for everyone. Yes. We could have another emergency mayoral election. It could take three whole hours this time. I also am disappointed in Ted. <laughs> because when we were on our vacation, <coughs> our dear buddy Roberto. Personal friend. Tweeted, tweeted a picture. Of Ted, when, and when referred t- to him as the Punisher. Obliquely, not not in literal fact, but yes, uh, Ted's costume for the big awesome school fight is a t-shirt with a skull emblazoned on it. Not the Punisher skull, but like close enough. Clearly, a reference to, especially when you know mentioning, "Hey, I love Archie versus Punisher" in this promotional tweet. Like ah. ah, ah. He's not the Punisher. He's not. I spent all episode waiting for that shit to come out and nothing happened. He's not even named Frank, but maybe maybe that's the reason Uncle Frank is named Frank. Maybe Frank's the Punisher. Special Forces veteran. Not sure if he's a good guy or not. Maybe Frank's the Punisher. Frank's the Punisher. That's my prediction. (laughs) 
That's my prediction. Yeah. Yes. So now we know that the war Frank was in was Vietnam all along. He looks real good for his age. Frank's the Punisher. (laughs) I love the fight. I love the big fight. The fight was so good. I guess I have to, on principle, like the, the fact that Kevin was involved in a plot. Kevin interacted with more than just one character. Yes. There, yeah. there is like a, a telephone chain of things actually relating to one another, even if only, you know, very slightly. Yeah. It was kind of exciting. Very exciting. I'm, I'm glad uh, people are finally being suspicious of Donna. It seems pretty like obvious. Yeah. <laughs> at, at least when you lay it out like that. So I'm genuinely positive on this episode. Except for the Veronica stuff, right? I'm, yeah, I'm not a fan of, of uh, retreading that ground. Uh, I think it is a brand new angle of attack to come at it, but it is an angle that brings us to a, a well, well-worn, overworn path, so it's not really all that novel in the end, now is it? No. You've, you've already said the word, though, so I have to ask, do you have any predictions? Yeah, Frank's the Punisher. Frank's the Punisher, yep. okay. Going uh, with it. I think Nick St. Clair is going to get back at our boys by suing Kevin for unpaid wages. Mm. He's going to find out how lucrative the tickle business is, and he's going to want his taste. Yeah. Yes. He's going to start his own tickle business. <laughs> A competing tickle house? Yes. And he's going to, he's going to be like, what? I'm. He's going to start making his own tickle videos. And release them himself and become a huge star. Because he's a number one all-star squealer. And be like, what you gonna do? You got nothing on me. (laughs) It can't go worse than his boxing gym did. That's true. Hiram's illness is all a fucking lie. I do have in my notes that Hermione made it up. I don't think Hiram knows. I think this is her ploy to get uh, uh, Veronica back in the family and, and make peace. Which, as part of her next play for for something greater. Yeah. She needs everybody to be on good terms for something, and this is how she's decided to do it. Yeah. Because at least that would be something slightly different. (laughs) Donna eats people. Donna eats people. Yeah. She's like serial killer (laughs) mastermind. Mm Mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter type shit. Sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Donna's definitely the evil one, though. Uh, in, in this episode regarding the murder board, uh, we did get a reminder that there are, like, four mysteriously dead writers yeah. involved. I think that the Skull and Quill, or or whoever among them, Mr. DuPont, I don't know, whoever is responsible for, for uh, these accidents, has been hiring Frank's old mercenary unit to actually do the deed. Oh. And, and it's all going to, like, slot together in the end. Oh. Yeah. As Frank, the Punisher, comes to kill Jughead. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They, they pulled him back in and, and activated his code word phrase. What, what if what it really is is that Frank's been off doing that, like, type of stuff, mm-hmm. and he's, like, gone rogue? But Ted's the one that's actually, like, trying to, like, stop him from killing people. That's what got uh, Frank back in town. Not not Fred's funeral that he eventually found out about. No, he was called in to take out Forsyth the First mm-hmm. in that episode. Yeah. 
and he's been gone too long, so they had to send Ted in to like get him out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's gone native. They yeah. they gotta get him. They gotta exfil. Exactly. Mister Chipping not dead. Not dead. Mister Chipping's coming back. Why else would you cast Sam Witwer if not to resurrect an obviously dead character? Why else would you get Darth Maul to play a character? He's coming back with robot legs. Robot legs. Yes. Yeah. In charge of the Black Sun. We will never see Jelly Bean again. <laughs> Je- Jelly Bean will only appear during Sweeps Week. Jelly Bean has gone to the farm that Hot Dog lives on. <laughs> well, at least they're keeping each other company. Never to be seen again. Where's Hermosa? <laughs> She's also on that farm. It was the farm that we thought Moose went to, but actually he went to the military. Yeah. <laughs> well, darling, now is time for one of our regular segments. Mm-hmm. In fact, our oldest segment, I think, needs to make a reappearance. Oh, boy. It's time to talk about the journey of Guan Katie Keene from page to screen. Oh. So, as our resident Archie Comics expert, what do you have to say about Catherine Keene? Not much. <laughs> That's fair, because <laughs> having read a collection of Katie Keene books, I don't like them. No, they're not good. Nothing happens no. in a Katie Keene story. Katie Keene is actually a perfect vehicle for paper dolls, because that is how thin and flat her personality in those books is. Yep. There's nowhere to go but up on this show. Honestly, the comics... I feel like it's the stereotype of what people think, like, kids' Barbie literature and stuff would be. <laughs> yes. But Barbie's a much more interesting character. So Katie Keene's prime, like, uh, uh, personality traits are that she's very humble, very uh, hardworking, very dedicated, never gets upset when things don't go her way. She, she's always, like, glass half full, look for the silver lining, and just work harder next time. Mm-hmm. Because every single Katie Keene story is the exact same story. Yeah. Uh, Katie Keene gets a call for a job that sucks, but her sunny personality and and uh, uh, strong Protestant work ethic impress people, and, and she comes out ahead. It turns into a wonderful opportunity and success for her. Meanwhile, her, her rival model, who is very selfish and scheming, it all backfires on her, and, and she turns out to be covered in garbage in some way. Mm-hmm. Every si- It's the same thing every time. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the, the 90s or 2000s revamp is not much better, but at least there is an origin story. Yeah. Uh, where Katie Keene is a, a University of Michigan student trying to live the intellectual life and, and become a, a professor. A white collar professional. I, I think she's studying uh, to be a lawyer or a doctor or an architect, like like something very schooly. Yeah. When her parents die, oh. and so she takes on uh, uh, a bunch of uh, modeling jobs for quick cash because she's scouted by somebody who says you, you've got the look. But she's like, I I don't want to do that, but. I'm desperate so my younger sister doesn't become homeless now that we're orphans together. Yeah. And that's how Katie Keene, the the model and movie star, begins. Yeah. 
I I don't really have much to say about her. <laughs> like I read some of it growing up, but mm-hmm. I never really gave any interest in Katie Keene. But yeah, the, these stories really are just an excuse for people to write in, s- send in drawings of like, hey, I think Katie should wear this in a story. And then you write that same stock story. And now it's a, a costume party, so we can put her in five or six outfits. Or now it's a runway show, so we can put her in five or six different uh-huh. outfits. That's all it is. Yeah. We don't get a lot of Katie in this episode. No. And what we do is, again, mostly bald exposition. Yeah. I would wager a few years from now tomorrow, uh, when the actual show takes place, her mom's uh, course didn't go well. Oh, yeah, that was in the commercial. Yeah. Like, the yeah. Commercial, her mom's dead. <laughs> the whole thing is all about how, like, her mom wanted her to have a fashion career, and so now she's got to, like, do it. Otherwise, she's letting her dead mom down. Yes. Which sounds awful. Yes. <laughs> but We'll find out when we actually watch that episode for you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just by having a human being embody the character, it's a huge improvement. Well, yeah. Nothing on the page. No. She's a bad character. She's very boring. Yes. (laughs) There's not a lot of work with there. Lucy Hale is actually a lovely person. She's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Good. Big improvement. (laughs) Well, dear, that's enough talking about the episode that was. Yep. And the spinoff that will be. Let's talk about our next episode and what we know. That is Chapter 70, The Ides of March. This is named for the 2011 George Clooney written, directed, and starred in movie. I did not see it. No, no. Uh, uh, The Ides of March is about Ryan Gosling navigating secret meetings and, and backroom deals to make George Clooney the Democratic nominee for president. The episode is probably mostly named, though, for, you know, the day Julius Caesar was assassinated by the entire Roman Senate. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only reason anybody says Ides of March. Yeah. And just from the title alone, I'm guessing this is when Jughead finally dies. It's not in the trailer, though. No, because all the trailer is. Is Veronica stuff. Is Veronica dancing, having sexy time with Archie. Heavy drinking, drinking, lots of drinking. Being very sad. Throwing things. She seems to be engaging in a lot of uh, self-destructive behavior. Probably because her father's dying, which is going to be really dumb. She's not coping with the news very well. And does someone on the CW show finally have the drinking problem we've all been waiting for? Maybe. We had designer drugs. That everyone said was dangerous, but really the murderer was the much more dangerous part. Yes. Do we finally get our substance abuse plotline? Maybe. You will find out in a few days. Yep. From us. I mean, you can find out right now from then. Uh, we, we are recording this after the air date of Chapter 70, The Ides of March. Because I've been dying. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> dying. So thanks for for sticking with our uh, planned uh, and then unplanned uh, uh, break uh, as we took a trip and then brought some germs back with us. Yeah, a lot of germs. A whole lot of germs. Oh, those germs. But from here, we are looking to get uh, uh, that Chapter 70 episode up sometime in the middle of next week. 
which is perfect because chapter 71 will not air that week. They're, they're taking a one-week hiatus. Hey. So we can slip our, our catch-up right in there perfectly. There we go. Stop getting breathed on, dear. We, we've, <laughs> I'd like to make this work. I'll try. <laughs> we just have to start, I don't know, like filming and I'll just like sign. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then your wrists will start to get sore and you'll have to do like hand coughing. Hand coughing? You'll find a way. I believe in you. It's, it's where like people clap with one hand. Yeah. Yeah. That hand. I can't do that. I can't do it either. I look like Kermit <laughs> being very excited. Your hand's kind of freaky. How do people clap with... I don't... I can't do that. I can keep trying, but I don't think the result's <laughs> going to change. Anyhow, we got to call it a night. You know the drill. Ratings and reviews, we love them. Following us on Twitter, it's a fun thing to do. Telling your friends, they'll think less of you, but they'll enjoy the show. Yeah. So with that, I'm Lena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie. Snapped Tubby in two. Sugar. Ah, oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down. Sugar. Ah, oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down. Come on. And you got me. And you got me. Break it down.